You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on RBMA Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. We are here in the studio today with very special guests, Adam TM and Tobias. We are going to talk to them about some of their solo works, play you some tracks, some unreleased bits, and we also have a recording later in the show, exclusive recording of their set at The Bunker on July 30th last month. So stay tuned for all of that. We're going to start the show off here with an Odd Machine track, which is Adam TM and Tobias, called Phase Out on Nod Standard Productions. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. this idea that in any given message, the amount of information in that message is reflected in by how expected the message is. And that if it's close to 100% that what the message is going to say yes, then a message that says yes is giving you far less information than a message that says no. And I feel that the mind, which is trained to see differences in our environment, that when we listen to music that with drum machines that actually because it becomes totally expected when a snare drum beat is or a kick drum beat particularly in disco music your mind begins to tune out the drum machine itself and hear the music around it it's almost like the drums could be ultra loud Thank you. 
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Uh, we're here with Adam and Tobias. The first track you heard there was Odd Machine. And um, Tobias, can you tell us a little about the, the concept of Odd Machine? Because it's an interesting... Well, the Odd Machine is um, a project I do together with um, different people. First release I had was together with Ricardo Villalobos. I think we can actually, in techno, you can just say Ricardo. Yeah. Just like, it's Ricardo. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> and um, the second was with Atom. Right. TM. Which is, that's <laughs> that's the one we just heard, and that was from 2009? I'm not sure. Probably, Probably yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and how, when did you start the label? The non non this is from non standard productions by the way, which is Tobias's label, which has quite a few releases, including uh, this one I'm bringing in now, which is the the latest album you just put out on the label. So what? Uh, um, sorry, wh when did you start the label? The label started ten years ago. Actually, it's an anniversary this year, 2006. I started the label. And why, I mean, what was you, like, obviously you're very connected in the electronic music world. Uh, what did, why did you start the label? Did you just have a need for getting music out that you felt couldn't get out otherwise, or what? No, actually I started the label to fulfill um, a contract. I had a, I had a contract with our former label chef. Yeah. And he needed to uh, have another record from me, and I didn't want to give him another one. So I started the label. I produced the record in one evening, the first one, which is just frequencies. Right. And I put it out on my own label. So I gave him the record, and he could distribute it. And But he rejected, right? He said, yeah, it's not a record. Uh, Tobias had to fulfill <laughs> a recording contract and didn't want to... Oh, so this is so like a Lou Reed uh, metal machine kind, music kind type of this situation. Yeah. You just you just gave him something that you knew they wouldn't put out, but then you actually went and put it out. Exactly. Yeah, but it's a fantastic I, reason <clears throat> to start a record label. <laughs> <laughs> but I I did the this one evening to do this whole record, and I really liked it. You know, it was just out of nothing. I wanted to fulfill the contract and did something with sine waves and square waves and stuff, and I really liked it. So the idea became more alive to really start a label right and is this odd machine project is this still and is this an active project that you're still working on are there going to be more sure yeah it's yeah. an active project but i have like two two releases a year so maybe the label has two time. releases a year yeah is that intentional or just like conceptual or that's just that's pretty much like the rate you're moving at uh, the The concept is uh, money. <laughs> <You know? laughs> If I have some money, I do a record. Yeah, our record label kind of works the same way. It's yeah. like, oh, that one will come out when we have some money for the next deposit. Um, and right now, in the background, we're hearing uh, this, your newest album. The, the artist's name is Recent Arts. Yes. And this is you and your wife's project together. This is our project together with my wife. Uh, I do the music. And she's doing the visual side of this project. Right. And is the visual side just when you perform this live, or is there some visual aspect to the releases that she's doing? Or mm, I was very influenced by the visuals she did, and 
I produced songs because of her visuals to put it together. So you're, it's music that you're making, thinking about her visuals, and then she is making visuals then after the music is finished to go with it, or? Either way, she also has, did some visuals and I did the music after okay, her Okay, so sometimes, sometimes the music comes first, sometimes yeah. the video comes first. Exactly. And uh, you're going to premiere uh, a live set, or you have an installation of this coming up soon? Also both. <laughs> we, have a, <laughs> we have a live set in, in Atonal in Berlin next month, and an installation. So the, it, the live set's going to be in the big room in the Kraftwerk then? Yeah, and exactly. she's going to do the, the tall screen? Yeah, the vertical screen projection. And what is the, what's the installation about? What's going on? What's the concept? It's the same, basically it's the same things, just uh, horizontal then. And it's like um, very uh, wide screen. So it's kind of impressive to see that. You've been known throughout your career as a live performer, but uh, just very recently you've started to pop up as a DJ from time to time. I wouldn't really name myself DJ because I just play ambient music. Right. Yeah. And I don't play records. I transfer all my records to CDJs. Right. Well, it's basically a DJ, but... It is a DJ. I don't want to... No, I don't want to become another DJ. No, no, that's not what I'm I saying. I want to be I a guess what I... What is... So th this is... You're, you're definitely approaching it as... It's a pretty unusual approach for 2016. You're, you're approaching it as like an ambient project mm -hmm. and where I mean where where have you played where is this happening first time I played in the Halle in uh, an Osgood um, event 10 years of Osgood right and I played there in the Halle for six hours pretty nervous how did it go <laughs> well, well very well I was supposed to play just two hours and I added four hours more. <laughs> How did that happen? Were you the closing person? Exactly, or did, yeah. And, and it, it just kept going? Yeah, because it was the, the first time they opened this Halle and um, people didn't want to leave. Yeah, so. I, heard, I heard it's a pretty, I actually haven't seen it myself, but I've heard it's a pretty incredible space. Mm -hmm. um, so on this note of talking about ambient DJing, we're going to listen to another track off of this album. And this track is the extension of expansion which i notice is exactly eight minutes and eight seconds long 808 yeah so uh you're listening to the bunker new york on rbma radio this is recent arts aka tobias freund and valentina Brethelon. am i saying that right yes and we'll be back with some more interview questions for both these guys and a live set in a little bit
listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kethnick, here today with Adam TM and Tobias. We just heard uh, a track off your album, and now this is uh, Tobias's album, Recent Arts, and this is your brand new EP on Oscuton. Um And I think we were talking about this earlier today, and it seems like the reaction to this EP has been very strong. And uh, especially for something coming out on Oscaton, I think it's like really going in a different direction somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, did you approach this record somehow differently than the other work you've you've done now? What two albums for Oscaton? A bunch of compilation tracks. Have you done other EPs too? No. 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 So what? Um, what? What was the idea behind this EP? Or was there an idea behind this EP? I guess I was just a bit bored doing four on the floor tracks. Yeah. For for the club. And I just tried out something new. Right. I I liked to have a bit uh, uh, faster beat. Yeah. Yeah. This is fast. What are the what is what are the BPMs on this? Well, they're like from from 160 to. I guess one track is even 200 something, but then you see it's a half time. Right. You know, you can feel the half time beat or the double time. Right. So this is the first track on the EP Lagios. Is that how you pronounce it? Lagios. Yeah. And what's the, what's, what, what is that? What is that referencing? Also, it's like, um, the idea that I worked with my wife together on a video and she had this 
concept of doing um, pictures from old astronomy books and this inspired me to do the music to that video. The video was first and then the music came after. Okay, so what, but what is Lagios? Lagios is a satellite that, <laughs> okay, that is cruising around the world since, I guess, 72 they, or 77. They, I don't know exactly when it was. They, is it a US satellite? Russian? What is it? US satellite. US. And it's supposed to measure the Earth, the movements of the continents. And it's supposed to come re-enter the atmosphere in 8.4 million years. Okay. 8.4 million years. Uh, where do you think the Earth will be in 8.4 million years? <laughs> Same place here, somewhere here. <laughs> <laughs> We won't be here, but the Earth still will. Um, Okay, so you've you ha you're known this this EP came out on Oscaton. You have like a really uh, when did your relationship with Oscaton start and why or how? I guess just what what is the connection there? How did it come? I can't really remember. It was through friends, mm. and the first connection I had with Micha was with this Shut Up and Dance project they had together with the Staatsballet. Right, I remember that. There was an EP, right? Wasn't was, no, was it was an like album. an album. Right. And like four four DJs, four artists did a piece for the ballet. And me and Max as non standard institute, we did a piece. And this was kind of the entry to Osgood. Yeah, that's a really great track, that NSI track on that record. Um what year was that? This was like 2006. Okay, yeah, because they're mostly known for releasing music for the resident DJs mm -hmm. at the club. Mm -hmm. Like, I know they do other things, but you, so you came into it more from a production mm -hmm. standpoint. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we should maybe play another track off of the EP, and then we'll come back and talk to Uva a bit about some of his solo works, and then um, we'll we'll get into this live set at the end of the show. You are listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
listening to The Bunker New York here on RBMA Radio. We're here today with Adam TM and Tobias. We just heard uh, another track off of Tobias's new EP on Oscaton. This one was called Nucleon. And right now we are listening to the latest album from Adam TM on his No label, which is No with a period after it. Um, Texture and Two is name of the album so um i guess let's talk about this label a little bit because Mm -hmm. you've um how long ago did the label start uh this was two two years ago and you guys have put out a lot of music in two years yeah yeah yeah. we started uh, releasing a couple of 12 inches uh, and digital and then switched to cd format and and digital um we've released around 20 i think 20 albums so why you said you started off with vinyl why why the switch from vinyl to cd and digital well i have to say it's uh, it's not my label i'm uh, working uh, this is like um you know mine and material objects label so we're doing it together selecting the music and thinking about you know the strategies and you know what you want to do and he suggested when we start off the label he suggested doing vinyl i'm personally not a great vinyl fan it's not like a format i personally like a lot or you know he thought it was a great idea, so we started doing that, and it turned out to be like um, a real pain in the ass to make vinyl. Yeah, vinyl <laughs> like is it's it's difficult and and costly, and it really got on my nerves. Uh, the whole handling, everything surrounding it, it's slow. It's uh, it's it's a nice you know thing to have, and it sounds good and all that, but um, it was a really really slow turnover. You know, between like making the music, having the music, and getting it back. Um, you're getting the product and you know having it out there and all that and I found it really not um, inspiring it kind of takes away from the immediacy you get this beautiful product at the end but it's yeah it's a long long time between yeah and it's not really it's not really I mean for a small label we we did like limited edition kind of thing it's not really practical either like you can't like just bring it along and give it to somebody it's like uh, I can't travel with vinyl for example all these little details made it a little bit um um, yeah, difficult, and um, so we decided to drop the vinyl idea in the end. But does everything have some kind of physical release? Is it all? Um, do you have CDs for everything, or are some of these yeah. just? Yeah, after we switched to to CDs, that was pretty much the plan to only release music we really want to see on CD. So that's basically what we're doing since then. Right. So you you, this is your label with Material Object. How how did it start? How did you guys meet? Um, well, actually, he was uh, a very good friend uh, of Pete Namlux um, and did lots of um, designs for him. He's a graphic designer. And I met him basically through yeah, through Pete when he had to redesign some of um, or design some of the re-releases Pete put out of my stuff and Tetsu stuff. So I had to talk to him about like Pete was like, hey, this is the graphic designer. Talk to him about, you know, the, the new sleeves and stuff. So, uh, you know, that's how we met first time. And then Pete died. And he was actually the guy, who, the person who told me, you know, uh, hey, bad news, you know, Pete died. And um, so we started to, like, um, talk about, you know, I get in touch about, you know, this topic, basically, uh, over this topic. And then, um, yeah, met and we became friends and, and had this idea of, like, um, yeah, making a label where we basically just wanted to put out stuff um, we liked, like, without any other purpose than that filling a little bit the gap that Pete had left behind in a way what Pete was a little bit like like his labels um, and he was Pete, Pete was running my rather interesting label which then you know died with him basically right 
like I decided not to you know keep doing it without him and um, on on my la- on rather interesting with Pete and on Pete's label labels as well Fax and, and all the parallel labels he did it was always a nice um, an easy way to put out music nobody else would really necessarily want to you know work with like there's always a certain kind of like threshold involved talking labels into certain types of music there's easy music and then there's difficult music where, yeah. where labels go like ah we don't know and I'm not really into that you know I don't really want to have that discussion with a label it's like either here's the music you like it you don't like it and that's fine but I don't want to talk labels into music into difficult music right uh, so um, have, having had the label rather interesting with Pete was really comfortable in that sense like I could just make stuff and just release it and that's it no discussion and so he I never he never rejected anything no 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 he he <laughs> said okay you run the label i trust you with what with the content and I, and he does the he did the business i did the content and uh, he he wasn't uh, always like happy about the stuff i gave him like um but he, he yeah he did it and that was that was all cd as well yeah you guys and that was an era when pretty much everybody was doing vinyl right but you got like facts and rather interesting were pretty much cd only yeah yeah. which is it's interesting that that's it's also like there's not a lot of cd only labels now but Mm. you're still you're like really staying strong under this concept of cds Uh, well the thing is um in my, my personal taste in um as you know talking about format musical format i'm not neither i'm a fan of cd like I would, I would rather prefer people to listen to the, the, um, the wave file, you know, right. because it comes straight out of my studio. That's the f- that's what I'm listening to when I make the music. That's the format. And that's how it sounds. And to me, CD is a, is already a downgrade to 16-bit and, and all that. That I don't really like it. Right. But it's as close as possible of a of a carrier, of a physical carrier that that um, that there is. Yeah, uh, you you kind of lose. Well, I wouldn't say you necessarily lose a lot in vinyl, but vinyl sounds we can definitively say it sounds different than yeah. what's coming out of your studio like it takes on a completely yeah. different sound yeah. when you press it to final some people prefer it i think it sounds better warmer works better in the club but it's mm. it's absolutely different well there are certain things um I, I, over the last couple of years i got really into into a different dimension of of sound design where the sound design or the sounds themselves become physical so you, you know, extreme bass, extreme high end, and uh, whatever face distortion, all that kind of stuff that simply doesn't work on on vinyl, it not at all. Yeah, the needle jumps out of the yeah, groove if yeah. you try to press this stuff and, to vinyl. Yeah, and I really got into that um, and really liked the idea. That's why I started to sell, um, you know, wave wave files and digital myself, because I really liked the the idea of like um, the audio being out there in the same format I made it in. Right. So speaking of the, you know, selling these yourself, you started the Adam Audio Archive, mm-hmm. the AAA. How mm-hmm. how long when when did you start this project? Oh, maybe like 5 5 years ago, I guess. Yeah, I don't remember. And what's the what's the idea here? It's to what re-release every piece of music you've ever made? Yeah, basically, that's the idea. <laughs> well, it all started off um um Strangely, uh, a couple of years ago, when I uh, had realized that my catalog had had taken a dimension I was no longer able to um, understand in a way. Like uh, suddenly, like people were asking me about my own stuff, and I was like, I have no idea. You know, did I do that? When did I do that? Like I realized I had lost control over the amount of stuff I had done. Very simply, so I started to uh, make an Excel sheet and kind of like, 
okay, I have to get the timeline together and what did I do? Because I had really forgotten about a lot of things. Um, so I started to do that, basically. First of all, I started like with an Excel sheet and made like a timeline. And, and the second step then was obviously to find the master tapes. So I did that. And then suddenly turned into like a project where, where I had all the master tapes in front of me, like different formats, um, tapes, uh, digital tapes, cassettes, um, vinyl, and so on. And started to um, digitize them, um, you know, put them on a hard disk um, to, you know, to rescue them basically from decline because that's sometimes, you know, what happened, especially with the tapes with the very first uh, five, six years of my recordings. And then suddenly I realized, you know, I had turned it into a, a, this project where I had this hard disk full of my, my stuff. And a lot of the stuff doesn't uh, wasn't available anymore since many, many years. And people were every now and then asking about, you know, specific yeah, pieces. Yeah, a lot of it was the rather interesting material, yeah, I assume. Because exactly. that's... Yeah. I mean, at one point you were, maybe for listeners who don't understand how much stuff you put out, I mean, at the peak of Rather Interesting, I would say you were putting out about an album a month? Yeah, at the it was peak. an album a month and every now and then parallel stuff for other labels as well, like an EP and an album a month or something like that. So the catalog itself, it's about 2,000 tracks. And uh, I realized that many of them, especially the Rather Interesting ones, were not mastered at all. They were not there. They sounded really poorly in comparison to like the whole catalog. If you look at it as a whole, l it sounded pretty um, uneven. Um, a lot of like very bad sounding things, and I simply decided to you know, try to make it all sound like equal in a certain you know, not identical, but like so you can listen to all the music and it's kind of like the same quality and um, and obviously I wanted to re-release all the old stuff that was not available anymore and um, obviously digitally then um, so that's uh, basically I started then remastering um, all my my catalog you know, back five years ago and if people want to check this check out the atom audio archive where do they where do they find this this is it's on my website it's atom-tm.com um, and then you find the audio link or it's on the Bandcamp. It's on Bandcamp as well. Okay, so you're, are you distributing it wider than Bandcamp, or is it just you want people have to buy it direct on Bandcamp? Um, is it on iTunes and everywhere? It's on iTunes. It's and got digital distribution yeah. that's out there. Yeah. And what like what is the pace that you're putting out these archives? Uh, it's fluctuating. I'm trying to remaster an album a month, um, but I've been I'm at around twenty five percent now with my catalog. It's, okay, uh, so you're it's getting a, there. It's, you're it's getting around there. 30, 30 albums. Um, or maybe I'm a little too positive here. It's it's going to be 160 albums altogether. And you're still, I mean... I'm like 100 and uh, something away. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I have to go on Discogs to keep up with what you're doing, and not just the archival stuff, but I'll go on Discogs and notice that there's two or three new albums that have come out that I didn't even Yeah, and then there's about. the new stuff coming, you know, on top of that as well but eventually you will catch up you think and yeah it'll all yeah, that's the plan it'll all <laughs> that's it'll, the plan. it'll all be out there um yeah. are you still doing the the drip program for your yes for the, yes so people can join that and then maybe not have to stress out about missing a release yeah drip is a good a good method i think for that okay yeah we're doing that for the bunker as well um so let's listen to a little well let's talk about maybe what the we haven't talked about this specific album that we're listening to here what's 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 the idea here with this texture and album 
Um, actually, I, when I started to remaster my old catalog, I was um, coming along a couple of ambient albums I did back in the 90s. And I had like totally abandoned that type of music um, and then realized actually that I liked it a lot, um, you know, the energy and the pace of it and everything. And got really into, um, you know, thinking about ambient music again, if you want to use that term. Um, like beatless um, textures, basically. That's how I call them. I call them textures. So the um, and working upon that field of music, I, I made the first album, Text Two and One, um, and uh, it was really a lot of fun it, uh, doing it. And it, it's also um, very much related to what I um, just uh, spoke about. That it's it's very physical. It uh, it's very spatial, and it has a lot to do with the physics of sound. Um, um, sub bass and high frequencies and um, distribution in the sound field and stuff like that so um, yeah that's basically it represents a lot of uh, my current interest in, in in music and sound okay well I also wanted to play and maybe we should get into this because we're getting pretty deep in this interview uh, it's I don't know if you if I've even never talked to you about this how important the acid evolution records were to mm -hmm. me and my friends and the bunker and that's actually, I think, when I very first met you online uh, and contacted you about performing this music at my party is, I think, how we ended up with you mm -hmm. and Tobias playing. Because I said, this is, well, let's talk about the project. What, what was the concept behind this Acid Evolution Acid record? Evolution? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I think I have to summarize a little bit. It's, it's a fake um, Acid compilation that pretends to... Uh, represent the like something like a historical timeline of, of acid music, but it's all my music and um, uh, it's I don't know it's acid evolution nineteen what is it eighty eight till two thousand three that's the subtitle. Yeah. So um, the idea came along when I was traveling and um, at some airport music store, I found like a, whatever the history of drum and bass compilation and the history of right. uh, whatever and um, I looked at it and I didn't know any any of the artists on this compilation like it was like the history of Acid House and I was like who, who are these people um, and then I realized it could it could as well be like fake like I mean what what is the history of what, what does it really mean <laughs> right. yeah, who, who is it put, who is putting it together and history in the eyes of, of whom especially nowadays you know 21st century that whole idea of history is quite a fuzzy one uh, right um, so um, yeah this is how the idea popped up to to just come uh, come along with a fake um, uh, history you know of, of, of a certain type of music and who would ever know you know <laughs> I mean who, who would who would tell you well that's this is, this is false and um, so I yeah I designed it a little bit like that uh, wanted to make an, an acid track an, an early acid track that had a different sound I, I, I imagined uh, the, the, the persona the different characters and artists doing that, the equipment used, um, and so on, and basically designed like a fake, a snapshot, historic snapshot for, um, yeah, throughout the timeline. Um, yeah, so it's pretty much like one track from every year or so. Yeah, exactly. Throughout the compilation. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's play one of the tracks from that comp. This is the XOX crew, mm -hmm. and this is 606 Outburst. And we'll play this, and then we'll come back and talk some more. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio here with Adam, TM, and Tobias. That was a 606 outburst off of the Acid Evolution track. And while that was playing, we were saying that you you didn't use a 606 to make 606 outburst? Well, actually, I did this album at a time where I only used Pro Tools as, a, yeah, as the only tool, actually, I had. I had no equipment at all. To generate the sounds, yeah, everything? Yeah, everything. Uh, so you made the Acid Evolution album without a 303? Yeah. Without a 606? No yeah. 808, no, no 909? No, no, just like ripping samples and, and putting pieces together digitally. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, just kind of like, I, li- I like, you know, um, um, trying to design like the, 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 the production setup of like what's the task and how you want to do it. Um, and and this, and this particular time I, I was really into just making music with with pro tools i really wanted to get into uh learning it and doing it just digitally so solving tasks solving problems basically okay so um let's now put on this is um from your Leadgood album on raster noten which you've done at this point how many albums have you done for with, with raster uh three three mm-hmm. and um how did like where did that We've talked about your relationships with a couple labels here. How did how did that one start with with Raster? Um, I they actually approached me. Um, I was performing at uh, Sona Barcelona, and and they were there in the backstage uh, on this artist area, and they approached and uh, started to talk, you know, hey, we are like blah 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 from Chemnitz, and we do this label, and I had heard about you know their label and. and maybe we just talked about stuff, and they said you we would really like to have an album. Uh, from you for our label, but don't think about don't think about a Raster Noten album. Just make an album you want to release, and then you know if if we're into it, we're gonna do it. And I had a couple of ideas like floating around, and one was this album, of which I wasn't sure that they would you know release it or like it. And it's not particularly a Raster Noten type. No, know? not re- like no. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't if you played me the album. I wouldn't guess that that's the label it was yeah. from. So I was like, okay, here's something I did. Um, just let me know. Um, and they were like, yeah, let's do it. And that's how it happened. And is that you've done? You have this HD AV live set with a lot of the material from. That's all. Is that all the raster noten material? Yeah. And that's uh, on the, in the live set. It's eighty uh, percent of that album. Yeah. And did that come about? Uh, beca- I mean, it's a big part of raster noten's aesthetic when they play live. They all have this visual show that's a part of it is that why you developed your the video set or no actually I, I had I had a different video set uh, I had a simple AV set uh, before actually I worked with Rustin Oton oh that's uh, right I think I saw that one at Mutech yeah with yeah. the uh, what's it called the MPC yeah I so I had played like an AV show for a couple of years before um, HD and uh, then Obviously, the the initial idea was just to make the album, um, and and then Rustin Oton wanted to put it out, and it was kind of like logical to perform that album live to a certain degree, and uh, I really wanted to um, make it or perform it as an AV set, and since it was released on Rustin Oton and they are very like AV, um, you know, oriented in general, it all made made sense. But for me, it was a logical transition from the previous AV set, which was much more lo-fi. VGA and um, had a different aesthetic. Yeah, it was very different. Yeah. Um, 
So the new one has a lot of, I mean, at least to me, when I see uh, this HDAV set, it, there's a lot of parallels to Kraftwerk for me. Like it mm -hmm. seems very, I don't know, visually and sonically, like it, it's almost like what I wish Kraftwerk sounded like now when they played live. Mm -hmm. um, is Kraftwerk a big influence on you or is there some connection there or is this just all in my head? Is this all coincidental? <laughs> I mean, I know you did. I mean, clearly you did the Senor Coconut Kraftwerk mm -hmm. album, so... Mm -hmm. Um, well, they were, they were not really necessarily a big influence for me when I started to make music or, you know, um, I discovered them actually a bit later after I had been you know, into making music. But I find them a really um, important and strong, I would al almost say traditional element in what I'm doing. Like they have um, defined and invented a lot of... Um, aesthetic components in electronic music which which they, actually they are the source of it they did it first and 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 then people start to you know be inspired by that and, and or copying certain elements so i find them really important uh, talking again again about the historic timeline maybe of electronic music as a as a, a certain point of reference um and especially um being german and maybe understanding them from a different angle yeah as um um, I feel kind of like related and kind and and um, and there, there are many things about them which I find um, with uh, with HD uh, re I really like that idea of like quoting them and and like kind of um, pulling pulling the certain ideas of uh, of you know ideas they created or came up with into into the present. Weren't and, you? And in general on, on HD, sorry, you know, on HD there's a lot of um, it's a huge mix of all kinds of sources and influences there's uh, there's michael jackson in it and and prince Ooh, and, i didn't catch the michael yeah. jackson <laughs> um wasn't there talk of you actually being like one of the new members of Kraftwerk at some point actually a uh, florian once confessed that he, that he <laughs> had the idea of getting me into Kraftwerk back then as a as a you know drum programmer and that ralph didn't like the idea and, uh, and I found it. I was quite impressed by that. Um, uh, not sure what I what I, what I would have done, you know. But um, it's an interesting you know, thought, at least. Right, but it didn't actually happen. No. Um. So getting into another label, which is my label, the Bunker New York. Um, let's. Well, we'll talk about this later. But let's play a track from the EP you did for the Bunker New York Ground Loop. This is Ground Loop. The second track, the B-side, and you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Red Bull Music Academy Radio, keep it locked.
New York on RBMA Radio. That was Adam TM with Ground Loop 2 on our label, The Bunker New York. We actually found 20 or 30 copies of that record sitting at our distributor recently, so you can now buy that 
probably not for very long because they're already moving, but we have a few copies of that on our Bandcamp if anybody wants to buy that on vinyl. And of course, the digital is always available. And now, um, as promised, we're going to go into this live set that we recorded one of the many times that these guys at MTM and Tobias have played live at the bunker in New York, and they've played at the bunker in Detroit, I think one coming up in Berlin later this year. So these guys are pretty regulars at our parties, but this this mix is exclusively for the radio show today. This was recorded at the bunker at Good Room in Brooklyn on July 30th. It was a four-hour live set, and we're going to play... This is going to be a segment. We're going to play about 45 minutes of this. This is from the end of the night, the the end portion of that set. So this is um, Adam TM and Tobias live on The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Monk of New York on RBMA Radio. We have been listening to a live recording of Adam TM and Tobias at our party in Brooklyn at Goodroom on July 30th. We're going to let this play in the background and wanted to ask you guys a few questions um, about this project. First of all, we usually start by asking people uh, just technically what, what kind of gear are you using when you perform live? Well, the main drum machine is the 808, Roland 808. I use an MC202 bass sequencer and um, Ableton for playing some drums and steps and vocals and stuff. And then, so you're, you kind of each have your own, so that's your setup, and then you have your own yeah, setup. Yeah, basically it's... Um we have the 808 uh, in the center. That's We both access the 808 and program it live. There's nothing pre-programmed. Mm, he's using the equipment he just described, and I use an MPC-1000, a computer, and um, a Xox box, and a little foot pedal um, delay. And the Xox box is the 303. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is you both have computers up there, but it seems like it's mostly, I don't know, whenever I look up, it seems like you're always, it's more the hardware, the machines that mm -hmm. you're focused on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when we start to play like really long sets, like let's say three hours beyond, um, we felt like it was a good idea to have a computer on stage. So for every now and then you really, you know, there's a lack of inspiration or you're getting tired or you, you move into a situation where you can't, you know, figure out what to do. And it's always good to have a computer which enables you to have more more footage and like more like safe havens of like some sort and you can go back to a certain element and know it works for a while and until you get you know back your stuff back together and um, that's basically the reason why why i'm having the, the computer on stage and you guys have basically i think it's very interesting like you've never really had a, a conversation outside of your music conversation you've never really talked to each other about what you're gonna do when you play these live sets no we never, uh, we don't rehearse and we don't talk about it. In the beginning, there's always like, how do we start? <laughs> well, like, actually, we're standing on stage and, and like 10 minutes before and uh, one yeah. of us goes like, how shall we start? How shall we start? With what do we start? Pet? Okay, we start with a pet. Okay, that's it. And it's just like about, you know, sometimes um, a couple of shows ago, he, he said, uh, I, w I always wanted to start a show with a hi-hat. <laughs> and yeah, then with we some high with frequency. Usually we start with a pad and you build up the beat on it. But I wanted to start with some hiss. So that's but this is just the idea. And then we try to... So beyond it. how do we start, there's nothing. You're just, no. it's no, just only two guys up there with machines having a musical conversation. Yeah, we only really use, we use language and talk uh, to each other if there's a problem, a technical problem, or there's something happening, you know, we have to solve. But we never talk about what, you know, what's musically going to happen. It's all just listening to each other and then doing stuff. So how did this happen for the first time? Like, What was the first live set and what brought it about, this collaboration? Um, I had this project in 91 called Phobia. <clears throat> and the label boss asked me to perform live and I didn't want to do it by myself because it was in the first time playing in a club. And I asked Uwe to join me. So this was the first thing we did. Mm. It was at a time when it was not at all usual to, 
to play techno music or dance music live in a club like nobody there were not many people that had done that at that point so and we we are not djs and we're not like into the idea of like you know, becoming djs or you know doing that task and he was asked to perform and um we kind of like had to invent you know our the system of like how what we want to do with which equipment and um, and it felt a little bit strange being on stage alone ha you know having to invent that like there's no really um it's you're a bit nervous on stage having to do all that like improvising or like performing that all by yourself and that's i guess the reason why he asked me to you join him and and you share responsibility live and it's a bit more feels a bit more you know, a bit easier to do it and over the years you guys have released a lot of records um but they're mostly for the vast majority of them are live recordings right mm -hmm. like all those logistics records are just recordings and um what's the deal with the the panorama bar recording that you released was that this year last year you mean the the live recording yeah yeah the, the live five hour ah, live oh hour. yeah yeah ah but this one I'm, I'm, i released that on on my archive as the first um release that's not an archive release actually um it's a new it's a new release and uh, i released that last year uh, uh, through the archive um, selling the, the the complete file through my website as well the five hour um, unedited uh, uncut file and through um, we, we, like, we couldn't sell it through bandcamp because of like a file size limit kind of thing what is the what do you mean yeah bandcamp doesn't let you upload a file bigger than i don't know what it is uh, is it 800 megabyte or something and um, the 16-bit WAV file is the five-hour thing is is under four right under four gigabyte or something. Oh, so you couldn't release it. At, you could release it on Bandcamp maybe, but not as, as one, one thing. track. Yeah, one file. Yeah, and I wanted to have it as one track because it's kind of um, I found it really important to have that um, experience as a listener. You have uh, when we played or when you're at the club. It's like this one stream of of audio. Like you cannot skip or you know go back or forth or select your favorite part, um, and I really like that as a as a format, as a musical format. And the benefit of like the 21st century is, I think, one of those. We can select the format. You know, you can either make like um, a thousand one-second tracks and sell them as one-second tracks, or you have like one <laughs> six-hour tracks or six-hour track. You know, you can really work with a format if you're if you're if you're working with a digital format. So this is primarily a live project, and it has been now. I mean, you're saying early 90s was the first time? Mm -hmm. So even in all that time, you guys haven't spent a lot of time in the studio together, really? Not really, no. Well, the first time we did something together was in the studio. I was mixing his, um, his first album. Mm -hmm. But this was not... Well, it was kind of a collaboration, but... It was his music and I just worked as a technician. Is there just, do you not have a large, like an interest in putting out, like getting into the studio and making an album or an EP or something? Does that, is that just not as interesting to you as playing live? Like why, I'm just, you've created this gigantic body of recordings and made so much music together, but there's not like a lot aside from some, we just did a bunker podcast and the set we're playing now and the panorama bar thing, but there's not a lot of it out there i never really thought about it you know it's like um 
um, to me it's not like a conscious decision um, shall we make more live music or more studio music it's very natural in the end of what comes along and what works and what happens you know and, and but play, I also yeah. think it had something to do that over left uh, Europe he moved to Chile right and this was like it's not very easy practically speaking to at this time 97 when he moved it was, there was barely internet and you couldn't transfer files easily like now so this was a and you're, so you're just not in the same city very often at this point yeah. aside mm -hmm. from playing a gig yeah, yeah. so we have to we have to work on like studio projects by sending files back and forth and that's in general not super inspiring i think it's okay you can do that and it you know but it's it's actually a lot of more effort than just being together in a room and doing it. So for us, like um, playing live shows, is it's not actually an effort at all. It's just like I mean, the just traveling. Have to get there. Yeah, just the traveling is 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 the problem, but not like doing it, um, the, making the music live, and just um, for the for the studio project, that's obviously a different situation. Like we have either like get together at a place and and make it happen, or sending files back and forth and. Um, Yeah, it's just more complicated, I think. Um, so we're going to play one more track at the end of the show here that Tobias really wanted me to play earlier, and we didn't get to it, actually. <laughs> so this is another um, non-standard release. Um, what can you tell me about this one? This is a release uh, before the last one before recent arts um, that, and it's yeah, that's from the ambient album we were playing earlier yeah, and this is a record of Javiera Gonzalez a Chilean friend of mine and the special thing about that is that we never did music together I just went to her house with the 808 and the MC202 and we just started jamming without rehearsing anything this whole recording is without rehearsing it's just we just recorded thankfully we uh, had a recording of the vocals separate my drums separate and the organ that another guy played was also separate so i could do a better mix afterwards but the, the arrangement is all one go And it wasn't recorded in a studio? This no. just happened at somebody's house? In the living room of her. Okay. Of Do Javiera. you still spend a lot of time in Chile? Yeah. Yeah. I go there every January. Okay. Well, um, thanks a lot for joining us, you guys. This has been really great, really enlightening. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I guess we're going to bring the show to a close with this track, It's All Right by Javier Gonzalez, produced by Tobias on his own uh, non-standard productions label. Uh, thank you for tuning in. This has been The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.